Hey, Film Files, what's happening? It's Tuesday. It's 9 o'clock. You're listening to WAZU 98.7, and uh, we're about to start our movie show, so I hope you're going to stay with us. I'm Jimmy Malone. I'm Stuart Randolph. I'm Ben Snowden. And this is a movie show theater. In a world where movies are everywhere, these heroes will make sense of some of the world's strongest films. Jimmy, Ben, and Stuart. This is Movie Show Theater. Okay, so uh, thanks for tuning in tonight. Tonight was Stuart's choice. Indeed. And he had a good one. The Sting, 1973, Robert Redford, Paul Newman, con film. Not Comic-Con, I've got conference. Or it was like before that, the con, con, of, con of comics. You know, confidence artist film sort of thing, yeah. So anyway, one of my favorites of all time. Absolutely love it. Could watch it over and over and over again. And have. Yeah. It's been years since I've seen this film. And have. I'd never seen it. Oh, that, really? That nope. surprises me very much, actually. That, so were truly. you stung at the end? No. I was Not you, Stuart. No, I'm talking to Ben. I'll be quiet now. Ben, were you stung at the end when uh, Redford spit out his tablets, his blood capsules? No. Uh, well, I, I that didn't surprise me. I would have been more surprised if they had gone through with, yeah, they're really dead, which I... Wouldn't have expected that. But I don't think that would have played with the whole vibe of the rest of the film. Not at all. Not even I'd been like, well, that was the rest of the movie was good, but I usually I can deal with endings that are kind of downers, but that wouldn't have really made sense with the whole vibe of the rest of the picture. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. Yeah, this was... Um, I, I It's been years since I've seen this film, but this is like one of the most satisfying endings of any movie that I can picture because they do these little things throughout the whole movie where like psychologically they kind of play with your mind to oh, yeah. make you think well you know you as the audience you don't know that you're kind of in on the sting because you know like when they first set up the FBI office and agent polk has uh, uh detective snyder who's a total tool Truly by the tool. way yeah i mean True that guy tool. i mean that guy he's just looking, just looking for bribes he is a black decker he is well. He he's the epitome of a dirty cop. I mean, you know, follows him from he follows a dirty, from dirty, Joliet. dirty cop. Yeah, to Chicago, to Chicago. So Chicago. yeah, so they um, you know, there's a couple scenes where you know when Hooker is first brought into uh, Polk's uh, setup, if you will, and he's in character before Hooker gets there. So. As the viewer, in your mind, you're like, oh, it's reasonable to assume that the FBI might have caught on because they know all of these facts. Oh, sure. And, you know, there's there's a lot that's uh, kind of exposed with the characters um, as far as, like, how Sting is going to work and, mm-hmm. and how different operations are going to go. So you as the viewer think, oh, well, I know everything. I know everything that's been discussed, but there's lots that's discussed Behind the scenes, like you don't know if Gondorf 
this whole time is really conning everyone because that was a possible ending I was mulling over, which I didn't think that he would, but I was kind of thinking to myself, he might just take all the money for himself and he could have used the whole FBI angle to have everybody hauled away and then the ending is him with the briefcase full of money and he's gone. But once again, don't think that would have fit the rest no. of the film. Mm-hmm. Would not have. Nope, would not have. Uh, and again, I think that um, along with this, I mean, they play the characters so well. Gondorf and Hooker... <clears throat> Hooker, the naive young protege, if you will, to Paul Newman's Henry Gondorf, who is the, you know, war weary, if you will, uh, or street weary, if you will, uh, Yoda type figure in this case. I mean, truly, he 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 leads him on and he d- teaches him and I how to how to do not just con games but the big con and this is probably one of the biggest that either of them have ever been a part of all for the revenge of of the death of um Luthor yeah for Luthor who not to be confused with the superman villain no, yeah Luther, and not to be but, confused yeah. with his voice which was a total ringer for James Earl Jones uh, uh <clears throat> yeah you think just a little yeah I don't know if that's sarcasm or if you're just tired, but yeah, I think that it was definitely <laughs> definitely James Earl the Jones, same yes. as James Earl Jones because yeah, that's who he was, James Earl Jones. No, that wasn't James Earl Jones. But that was his Robert Earl Jones's name. There's an Earl Jones. Yeah, but it's not James no, Earl it's Jones. Not James Earl Jones. Okay, but it sounds just like it just him. sounds just like him. Yeah. Yes. Well, what if they were related? Well, obviously they are related. Earl Jones part. How long are we gonna? I don't know. Go on with this. We could, for a while. Hmm. Yes. He doesn't have a picture. I, I did yeah. go to IMDb. Yeah. I am aware of the relation, but the uh, is likenesses is There's incredible. Like, yeah, I know. It's yeah, very much so. Maybe a father? No. No brother. More than likely. Yeah. Well, we can look Distant that up. Cousin. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. So as Luther. Um, and again, uh, it starts off. You don't really know what's going on. They're playing a trick on on who they assume to be this Patsy, which he was genuinely as somebody who had money on him. But you know, and uh, it goes it goes south really quickly because let's be honest, Redford's character Hooker is not the brightest candle at the beginning. I mean, he goes and spends all the money that he makes all in one go. I mean, he puts it all. I think that's what makes him good at it. as a con man, though, is that he's not particularly smart, but he just acts well. It's just like when when you have that opening scene of you have the guy who is taking the money out and he's going to hop into a taxi, hop into a train. You know, Robert Redford's just moving so quickly in his whole spiel that I think anyone would have fallen for it, which makes him one of the best, which Luther could have been, you know, blowing smoke up his Hind in. Well, he but, was. Um, he says to Hooker, you are the best. You know, which right. a movie like this has to have that speech when somebody's retiring from being a con man. The older con <laughs> man has to say the younger con I'm man, out. you're the best, son. I'm I, out. I've been in this business for 87 years, and you're the best. But actually, who was the best? Henry Gondorf. So yeah, that's Gondorf. who he sends him to, 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 learn, the, to learn the big con. And, and it's hilarious. The, we, when we first meet Henry, he's recovering from a massive hangover. Yeah. Massive He's been hangover. on the carousel. Well, I think when Luther tells... Literally and figuratively. Literally and figuratively, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that opening scene where his nose is smashed up. So I think when Luther tells Hooker, you're the best... 
No, he's probably not. I mean, I think that you have to have some sort of vice or some sort of like impulsivity to be a, a functioning con man. I mean, you're not. Yeah. If you're if you're if you're doing this, like craft for twenty years, twenty five years, you're probably not financially like fiscally responsible, and. And More than likely, that's, yeah. That's what makes you good at what you're doing. But I think that at the time, Luther said, you're the best because that's what Hooker needed to hear because the only man he wanted to work with is about to leave the business. Well, that yeah. I mean... I mean, he, he does have this huge vice um, of kind of playing the odds and... Blowing all his money. Not on knowing right. when to quit. Hey, he's not definitely not the no. best. I mean, he gave him no. the card of somebody who's the best. But right. he kind of gave him a little ego trip some sort of like yeah you're the best you need to go on you don't need me some sort of like precursor to i'm leaving yeah i guess i guess i mean he's luther's been doing this since johnny was probably in the womb and i love luther's (laughs) wife by the way oh yeah totally (laughs) and it totally made me think about uh martin riggs from lethal weapon and murtaugh's wife and when luther's wife first opens the door and he does that little jig he's like oh when are you going to church and she's like oh ever since they started playing bingo in the evenings i'm gonna try to cash in on some of that money while the lord's still paying out and the connecting thread among all these things is that the money that was stolen at the beginning of the movie was stolen from Monaghan, who is yep. like kind of a criminal mobster banker, except he what he doesn't he doesn't drink. He doesn't um, smoke. He doesn't smoke. Uh, he very rarely goes into public. Most things he will he will do, he'll he'll golf and he'll play poker and that's about it. Yeah. Uh, uh, Which so I loved his character. A, uh, how would you put it? A um an innocent bad guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Somebody who has no vices. But they no discredit vices. him right away. I oh, mean, truly. The, yeah. The, the train scene was hands down my absolute favorite of the whole movie. And, that and whole the poker scene. The whole lead up to that is just brilliant. Oh, yeah. Just I mean, with, They played him so well. They played, they played uh, Robert Shaw really well. I got confused because Paul Newman's fake name was Shaw, but... Right. The, obviously, the a- opposite I, actor. I've Robert only seen Shaw, Robert yeah. Shaw in three things: Black Sunday, which was a fantastic black and white movie from the fifties, um, where he was a bad guy. Right. Uh, this film, and then Jaws, where his voice inflection is so incredibly dark and disturbing. Oh yeah. He might as well be a bad guy. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Or, or uh, uh, from shop. Russia with Love. He oh, played yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the that's right. big bad in From Russia with Love, uh, Battle of the Bulge, where he played the colonel mm-hmm. who was absolutely, uh, uh, you know, the tank commander of the 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 Russian Blitzkrieg, if you will, and the their Panzer tanks. Mm-hmm. So, no, I mean, he he really is, he was a such a, a wonderfully dark actor in almost everything that he played. And and while I agree with the, the what you say about his voice in Jaws, I think he was more of a he was a comic character somewhat in Jaws. I mean, he he got more laughs than just about anybody else with the ridiculous things that he would say. Cuz it was so out of place it's So well, it's not just out of place, it's just so over the top. Yeah. I mean, he's a larger than life character and even in this one as Lonigan, he is a larger than life character. And and he he plays it to the T. The limp is so ridiculously exaggerated, and and everything else about him. It just you get this sense that he's not going to brook any sort of fools. He's going to take his what he deserves or wants, whether he deserves it or not. And if you cross him, he is going to kill you. He won't just kill you. 
He'll kill you. He'll kill your family. And then he'll burn your house down. And then he'll go there and he'll pee on the ashes of your house. Which, yeah, Fala. Which yeah, it seems Fala. like he's I done multiple times because when it's described um, like his history, yeah, he's he's wanted to take over his partners multiple times. So he's pretty much eliminated them to keep on getting toward the top, which he, he pretty much is. Yeah. Well, and his limp was total accidental, which was awesome. That was not planned. He actually no? tore every ligament in his knee, oh, like no two kidding. weeks before filming. That's brilliant. And there was like four or five different actors that were uh, cast to play uh, Doyle Lanigan. Yeah. Really? And, and he was the last resort, which I can't imagine last being better. Last resort? Right? I don't, I sh- I don't even want I don't to say last resort. No, I don't buy that at all. He was I, like I, the fourth yeah. actor that they wanted. No kidding. I didn't. I intentionally did not watch The Sting 2 because I did not want it to affect my view of you the first. You never want to watch The Sting 2. No. No. You really don't. It is horrid. I just saw it, it on Jackie, Jackie Gleason? Gleason. Jackie Gleason. And, no, and, Jackie. No, I'm come sorry. on. At that point, it was that. Uh, no. No. This movie no, was no, no, billed no. as a, uh action comedy. I believe every, that. Yeah. Every genre. I mean, there's some lighthearted moments, but a lot of that is the camaraderie and the chemistry between the, Newman and Redford. Truly. It's more of a suspense. It's more of yeah. a—I wouldn't call it a thriller, but it, it's it's more of a kind of a suspenseful crime sort of thing rather than a comedy. But there are some light moments, definitely. Yeah. No, I no, mean, no you know. for sure there are. I thought it was a very well—first of all, the, the matte painting backdrops of Chicago— mm. Were stunning. Oh, for it, it being 1973. Is a... I mean, Jeez. they just had so many um, incredible touches to put it as a period piece. Well, the whole thing was beautifully filmed. It was. I well, mean, like the you're paintings. Watching, you're like, was this in the 30s? I know. Because it's so good. I know, right? Yeah, the paintings between, I guess you could say, not really each act, but. For each part of the movie, yeah. those the chapters, dun, dun, yeah, the, dun, the chapters dun, almost. Dun, dun, those are so dun, great. Dun. You almost want to. I'd almost want to go and look at each of them individually, just to just to get a look sense at them, of them yeah. as art. Yeah, they kind of struck me as Norman Rockwell paintings. A little bit, yeah. yeah. No, very has, much. It has that feel. Yeah, I think they Except were going more, for that feel. Yeah, I spent so much money on this movie. I rented it the first time for two ninety nine on yeah. Amazon and watched it, and uh, I got. 20 minutes in, and then I got a phone call from this random number, and the Peoria Historical Society, our our landlord, told me that they were going to be walking through our house in, like, four hours. What? So I had to put the movie on pause and clean the house up, and then I got distracted and blah, blah, blah. I came back to it the next morning, and... Once you start a movie, yeah. you have 24 hours to finish right, it, right. or you have sometimes to rent it again. It's, sometimes it's 48 hours, because I, I did the rental through YouTube, and it was 24 hours as well, and also two ninety nine. Yeah. So then I had to rent it for the second time. We're mentioning prices, children. You well, can, it's, I'm, oh, not, I don't I'm, not, I'm certainly not promoting it. <laughs> I don't but think anyway, any of that's so like I had really to spend relevant to anything we're talking about. <laughs> so then today I had the day off, and I was like, well, I want to watch it again. And right. I rented it the second time, so I should be able to watch it. Uh, my right. rental was up June 2nd. And uh, nope, got it again, so I rented it three times. Oh, no. <laughs> no, but it's okay. It's okay, because this is the movie that you want to do that with. Well, I that mean, fits into the at, film. Least it's, at least it's a good movie. This is true. I liked the fact that it didn't go too far 
with some of the stuff like I just did with sound effects like that. It wasn't overly slapstick. I I loved the fact that for the most part, parts like that were just you know the the piano music. Yeah. You know, like when uh, when Snyder's chasing Hooker and he's jumping from one surface to another. You know, he's on the train tracks and he's on a roof. He's jumping down. Yeah, the alley. that was a little Keystone Cops. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, but in, the, in an okay the way, footfall, I mean... the footfalls on the pavement, the clop 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 mm-hmm. clop as he's running in those. I, I, I know they're hard-soled shoes, but come on. I mean, it sounded like a two-legged horse <laughs> just running down but the I road. Mean, you should have been movies, knocking coconuts together. Clop, yeah. clop, clop, clop. Mo- movies now are still this way, but in 1973, it was, I mean, it's, uh, you know, hyper-realistic. You know, it's it's supposed oh, yeah. to be, if it was true to life, it wouldn't really be that interesting. I could just walk down the streets and see what you're portraying on the screen. I mean, yeah, I want it to be, you know... A little bit exaggerated, but um, okay. So, did you guys feel like young Robert Redford kind of looks strikingly similar to Owen Wilson with a normal nose? Oh, I right. thought I'm gonna have several to look, times. I'm going to have to look at a, a young Robert Redford picture because I thought several times. Really, is he young Owen Wilson's father? Please tell me that that's what it is. Yes, it's Owen Wilson Earl Jones. Oh, okay. Should we go back to this? Go back to what? Yeah, I think he looks like a, a little uh, bit. A little. I wouldn't uh, say it's striking. Without the broken nose, though. Well, I mean, sure, without be, the It would be like, pan. okay, you know what? It would be like if if Robert Redford and Paul Newman were able to have a, a love child, then you would have Owen Wilson with a broken nose. That would be a, that would be a good-looking man right there. Well, I mean, both of them, you know, in their time were very good-looking men. Robert Redford's a little rough around the edges right now, but he's, what, 78 years old? Mm-hmm. I mean, Paul Newman and Robert Redford, they, they, my wife has been crazy about both of them since she's seen them in any movie. I mean, and Paul Newman is one of the original players in movies, you know? Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> there's, not to mention, both fabulous actors. I mean, come on. You see them both in the suits that they wear in this? I wish people still dress like that. Well, even if you did It's didn't... a little high maintenance, but I still wish they did because I was going to say men Stu looked good. I in know suits like why that. you picked this movie because and the answer is the... to my left and the viewers can't see it, but I am doing a circle over a hat with my hand. Yes, there are so many hats. hats. If Stu was in this movie, we discussed this I think during what um Godfather. Yeah. Godfather, the Godfather, yeah, yeah, Godfather podcast episode. we did that Stu would be Stewie Hats as his gangster name. Stewie he would have been, Hats, yeah. he would have been one of the thirty or so guys, you know, in this racketeering Easily. thing. I would have doing been the right sting there on doing the sk- sting yeah. on Lonigan. Yeah, no, that was the I, alternate I, title for this movie was trench coats and hats. <laughs> was it? It was seriously. No, I really but don't, look how much yeah. you just believe that. You know, I, I you don't. It's your face. You 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 say stuff like that, and I. Just never mind. I'm tired. Anyway, no, you're right. It's the I'll tell you. I wish. Oh, people don't have style anymore. Men don't have style. I anymore. I know what you mean, though. This is another one of those movies that makes me wear like pleated khakis with a wife beater and suspenders around the house. Truly, and <laughs> that'd you be still awesome. Would so have more good. Style. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know? And just like picking the hat up every time he left the booth. The uh, telephone booth, just the way he picked it when he met with uh, Lonigan. Yeah, you know, um, they weren't just they weren't just costume pieces. They were part of the character. They owned them. Just like just like Indiana Jones's hat is part of his character on all the Indiana Jones films. The 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 outfits that they're wearing 
portray the character. They are part of who the character is. Like Kid is. Twist, I loved his get up. Oh, Kid Twist was awesome. I love oh. that guy. And how about yeah? Like this when is he, another when, one where the names are ridiculous. Yeah, Dookie? like when when Snyder. Well, there was a character whose name was Dookie. I know. That's what? A big pile of Dookie. That's anyway. What Ben? <laughs> oh, I was just gonna say I, I just loved that scene where Snyder's you know coming into that almost basement bar and everybody gets silent and Kid Twist looks through uh, that little slot in the door. He's like, "Who is this guy? <laughs> Who's this clown? Who's this yeah. clown? Get yeah. him out of here." And but, he's like, he's a dick for sure. And then even even uh, even down he's to definitely yeah, a dick. Even yep. the guy, I, I forget his name, but he's like, my specialty is Englishman, and he even has like. Uh-huh. The bus. He's like, yeah. he's, kid twist says, you know, we have. Uh, you should have like a tweed jacket. And this guy's like, no, I have my own wardrobe. I brought my own. See? Oh, that was. Uh, oh, what was the name of that guy who did that? Because that wasn't Kid Twist. Kid Twist is the one who, I mean, was just so sharp from the very beginning. But the Englishman was a little older guy. He had to have had a cool name too, though. I mean, yeah, I'm oh. trying to find him. Yeah, I can't, I, I can't remember his name. They... No, I can't remember his name. But my specialty is an Englishman, and as he twists his uh, little handlebar mustache there. But, who's okay. the who, who's the guy who got uh, his nose beat in by Snyder when he said, "Yeah, he enrolled in detective school." See, oh, remember that, that was guy? Uh, uh, I can't remember his name. Sloyan but... Motola. Motola. I want to say he's the guy. Yeah. I have another look-alike for him too, John Hawks. Okay, maybe a little. Yeah, no, that's more of a look-alike than yeah than than Ed, uh, Owen Wilson is. But okay, I know that Eileen Brennan was supposed to be the uh, alluring, beautiful woman in this. There was no beautiful women in there, this movie. No, not there's really. not one attractive woman <laughs> in this movie. I'm but sorry. But I kind of like that. I mean, it's a I mean, realistic even, seems even realistic, the one yeah. that even the one that Hooker ends up with. Uh, you know, okay, the first lady that he was with, she was attractive, mm-hmm. and when he blew all his money, she yeah. was pretty. The one he meets at the cafe. Oh geez, she's and, and she's very homely to put it the nicest way yeah. possible. She looks like a that. vulture. Yeah, she does. She looked like she was gonna try and peck his eyes out with they her. They should have shot her in the nose. It would have been should've. a much easier shot. Yeah, she turns oh, out to be an assassin. Well, yeah, duh. Anyone who looks like that's got a dark side. So more I on mean, the period piece. I really like the vaudeville show that they the that they go into when he first uh when he when he uh gets the money when hooker gets the oh, money oh, 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 right he comes in with flowers and the new yeah. suit yeah. so it's this you know uh theater venue and it's this girl who's an exotic dancer and then she leaves and then they send this stand up comic on who's just horrible oh yeah he tells the joke we've all heard but yeah. then again this movie supposedly yeah. took place in the 30s, 30s so right, yeah, yeah. I mean, of course we've all heard it it's right. 80 years but it's really interesting how they have a dancer come out, and just the idea of having a stand-up comic come out, this all of a sudden turns into a vaudeville variety show. Oh, oh yeah. It could be just a random dancer on a theater. It's totally inconsequential. It doesn't matter at all, but you make the point to have it be a uh, variety act, which was totally of the times. Absolutely. And they do all these kind of insignificant touches just to, like, 
place you more into the uh oh i wouldn't say into this well okay the the fact that subtle they're, not they're insignificant, subtle yes i was I gonna say, say subtle not insignificant because they truly are significant because they well, paint the, 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 the vaudeville show wasn't really significant that wasn't no 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 i mean significant and how how it paints the mood or sets the it draws mood you the into the atmosphere film. oh yeah but the it's the whole atmosphere no there's there's nothing there's nothing that has it's not I mean, horribly it doesn't consequential have anything to do with the film necessarily but Ultimately, you believe it a little more. Yeah, you believe that they're when and where they are a little more, you know, and and that's that's what made it, I thought, so fascinating. And and even though it was, you know, it's 1973, it's there the, the music they could have, you know, they could have gone. Oh, gee, and that's another thing that throws you right into it. The Scott Joplin rag music was brilliant for this. The first time I saw it. I had never heard rag music before ever. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not, you know, that is not my style of music that I enjoy, but I love this soundtrack. Yeah. I love the soundtrack. I think that this is such an integral part of this film. And and it draws you in as a watcher and it makes you want to know more. It makes you want to watch more. And that on top of the chapters, you know, the different chapters, the interludes, if you will, in between the different uh, different parts of this, uh, it, it it truly adds to a sense of what the period would have been. Yeah. You know, versus, you know, um, an Ocean's Eleven or something. But I know you don't like Ocean's Eleven, but one of these days we're going to do it and I'm going to tear you down because I love that film. But that's OK, Jimmy. Well, the first one. I can I can appreciate, but another one of these what I would call insignificant touches is the screen wipes, and the editing, and the way that they end some scenes with a closing circle. Sometimes it's a very Star Wars screen wipe. Oh yeah, that makes no difference to the movie, to the story, to the elements. It's not it's it's not supposed to be engaging. In fact, it's really not even supposed to be noticeable, but it is. And if you've ever seen any of these spaghetti westerns or film noir or Battlefield you know, Earth. Hitchcock, yes, Battlefield wipes, Earth, wipes. exactly. We need more wipes. Anybody got some wipes? Oh, oh man, geez. tilted. Okay, tilted? but but at this time they weren't using them at, at, at too much. They well, haven't used a, them in forty years. I think that's why it's so important. It, it is absolutely. I mean, they brought it back to a point where it was. It, it meant again. It meant to set a tone. It meant right. to set a. I mean, set even a scene. if you know you see a screen wipe, and even if you're not like. Even if you ha- have never seen uh, movies of the 40s and the 50s and His Girl right. Friday and these film noir, you don't recognize like, oh, yes, that's a classic editing technique used in the late 40s. It just feels dated because you know what films are able to do with effects and editing and you know that's not cutting edge. I mean, you might not point it out as interesting, but you are aware that that's not state-of-the-art Oh, of course, yeah. Like, of course. well, like, so that's well, why some I really of the like, it was like Star Wars did that. A bunch, some of the you know? some right. of the big the big plot elements, like reading the the tape, reading the wire, you know, yeah, the ticker tape, the ticker yeah. tape, yeah. and the boards that are supposedly housing the results of all of these races, down to you know the the whole betting line scenario, and these guys just in a bar looking at these boards, hearing a uh, you know the, the, the radio, reading, the yeah. radio, yeah, you know it, that surprises me that that wasn't a bigger thing, you know, post calling races, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that that whole racket could have, I mean, I'm sure they did it. Oh, obviously they did it. That had to have been done at that time, yeah, because there's no way there is, and the ironic thing. 
the I, the ironic thing that I found about this is that the ticker tape feed through Western Union was quicker no. <laughs> than the radio. Then that they, yeah. they weren't understanding that they were not listening to real time calling of these races. They were post calling these races, and, and it, you would have thought that, oh, I, that would have been, yeah, hilarious nonetheless. So, uh, one of the reasons I I do because I do enjoy heist movies. I do. I love the Michael Caine Italian job. I love. Um, the first Ocean's Eleven was fine, but I like when you watch one that's so. Are we talking the 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 George Clooney? Yeah, or... George okay. Clooney's right, fine. Good. I mean, right. the the original is fine too. But Man, when it's fine. when it's so ripped from real life that you're like, okay, so whoever they're plotting to rip off is probably backgrounding and like um, making sure that that can't actually happen because there's going to be 5 million people who are going to be like, oh, yeah, that could totally work. Why don't we just do it like that we saw in the movies? (laughs) But there were so many points in this movie where you thought, yeah, that seems fairly feasible. Well, Okay, the whole point of this, though, is baiting and switching. What you're seeing isn't what is necessarily happening. Right. What you you believe is happening um, is not at all. And and, and I'll, I'll be honest, the first time I watched it, I knew that I knew that Newman's character uh, Gondorf was probably not dead, or I mean they all were probably not dead. But the fact of the matter is this: I also knew at some point that something went astray so far with the FBI. There was just you know how how in the world would the FBI have just been there all of a Mm -hmm. sudden? There's no. They weren't watching these guys. These were small town grifter, small time grifters. Gondorf was a high high class grifter, right? But Hooker, no way. They never would have been watching him. Yeah, the the crooked cop, sure, but he didn't tip the feds off. The feds found him and drew him in. Yeah. How convenient is that? But when Hooker goes to Chicago. We go to Chicago, so we don't know what the scene was like before Hooker got there. So no, that's true. It's fairly believable. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much. You know, when when he's on the train, I really liked. I forgot about this scene when I watched it the other day. When Hooker goes to Robert Shaw's cabin to collect the money, and he goes, "Oh, your partner's quite a card player. How's he does it?" And he, he literally cheats. tells him like yeah. exactly how it is. Yeah. And you know about Hooker, but you don't know that much to be totally convinced that, that he isn't he selling wouldn't. him out. Right. I yeah. mean, he, he, you know, it starts to put doubt in your mind very slowly and very gradually. And, you know, and then he goes back to the bar where Newman is and uh, Henry goes, oh, do you have any trouble? And he's like, no, no trouble at all. So as the viewer, okay. for the first time, you're like, you're well, like really wait talked- a minute, wait a minute. Are they at odds now? We haven't he, really talked about the card game a whole lot. We haven't yeah. gone yeah, into detail, well, we which we go back probably the, should do that. Because I, I love the fact he's like, oh, these guys, they're, this is when they're in the bathroom, uh, Gondorf and Hooker. And Gondorf is like, yeah, these, these guys won't know that I've cut this gin with water. And he's just constantly drinking. He stumbles. He's like, hey, guys. And he calls Lonigan the wrong name every single time, yep. pretty much. And the name's Lonigan. Always drink gin with your mock. They can never tell when you cut it. But pretty much so what they awesome do is, is brilliant. Yeah. You know, they have, they have Billy run into Lonigan and pick his pocket because she's the last person you would expect to do that. So they pretty much are playing with Lonigan's money to begin with. 
actually, she would have been the first person I would have thought to do that. No, not me. Because nobody looks at an ugly chick. Hmm? Except maybe to go, huh! Well, she had it. Well, she had a hat on. Look at any she had woman a, in this movie. She had a hat on. So I think just that whole setup um, in the train, the way they picked his pocket, they had the poker game set up. In your mind, you're thinking they're going to be more elaborate than this at some point because it's building. I think just building that anticipation with the poker game, and you have, you know, uh, Lonigan as a villain versus Gondorf. And every time I say Gondorf, all I can think of is Lord of the Rings. I know. <laughs> I know. Um, you have these guys in a, in a, uh, a war of wits, and you see that Gondorf is actually way ahead of, you know, Lonagan because he's a little bit of a, a hothead. He's used to having everything go his way, and when somebody, you know, gets in his path, he's like, well, let's put bolts in this person. Because that was that kind of oh, show, yeah. that kind of showed how much of a hot he could be. It's like, yeah, uh, it was it was Hooker, right? He was like down on the ground. It's like, let's just kill this guy. Hey, sir, we're uh, two minutes away from the station. Are you sure you want to do that? Yeah, <laughs> not a good plan, sir. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, a lot of plot points and a lot of game points that are left to chance. That's like, oh, it's convenient that Robert Shaw decided to say that or do that or feel that right. sort of way. But that's so much of what like conning is. Oh yeah, from my professional Truly, con yeah. artist career. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, yeah, okay. But I do love. I didn't. I had to watch this a second time. Uh, I wanted to anyway. But the technical advisor for this film, his name was Tom Scarn, and he was the one that actually did the card tricks. Oh, really? That it looks like Paul Newman is right, doing. Right, right. Yeah. So Paul Newman's hands are behind totally his, behind his back. Did they snake his arms out, and we're like, <laughs> they did. And when you go back and you look, it pans right up and. If you didn't know, you would absolutely not be able to tell. That the, is hilarious. The movie would have gone on fine without it. A but I think that it's a very you. telling a telling factor to see him do 30 seconds of magical card tricks, but then also he throws him over because he's well, kind of a functioning alcoholic and he's kind of out of the game. And kind of? <laughs> right. Well, he does spit it out when he needs to. True. He cleaned up rather quickly. Yeah, well, no, he did. Yeah. I mean, he was but even around super it, greedy, too. too. I mean, that's why. Well, I mean, know, not he that he's a martyr. Habit. I mean, he's cheating somebody out of... Well, what, how many millions was it? Um, 400,000. Was that all it was? I mean, that was like the, that was the end game amount. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which in that time... That was big money. Was but that's really big, big money, money now. I can't imagine yeah, I the 30s. Now. That was the other thing I that I thought was... I would past it if I found it on the road. Yeah. I would, I would turn it. I would, I would give it to the first uh, pregnant single mom that I could find. Say good luck with your life. You are truly a, a wonderful martyr. Well, sir. that's that's what I would do. Yeah. Okay. That's what I would do, and Not then me. I would call my grandmother. You're a better man than me. <laughs> I wouldn't do it. I have nieces. No. I have nieces no, and nephews. They'd yeah. have college funds. If, have college. I wouldn't which give they, them to they any of your already, nieces. George and Sheldon are getting none of that. Weird. George and Sheldon are getting the money, this, but you won't. Yeah, George and Sheldon are going so to Yale. <laughs> Do they have college for cats? Because if so, mine are going to so be valid Catorians. First cats in space? <laughs> <laughs> we were mentioning astrophysicists earlier. I'm going to get you a California king bed made of human hair. <laughs> what? No, I'm not going to do them, that. Just build them like their own massive cat house. With they'll the they'll, they'll have the their world. own full-size house. Yeah, each uh, one of you're them. You're listening to WAZU 90.7. Uh, we're talking about cats tonight, and we're talking about <laughs> The Sting. Not Cats the musical, just cats. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was the worst musical ever. If there's ever been more 
uh, obvious evidence of cocaine in the 80s. It's Cats the Musical. <laughs> that musical is horrible. And I, I really like I like show tunes. David Bowie. Uh, Labyrinth, I'm afraid, does not we count as so a musical. I know. You said evidence of cocaine in the 80s, and I said oh, Labyrinth yeah, and no, David Bowie. That's a Bowie. good point. That's a good point. Somebody needs to drag us back. Uh, coming up in about a month, we have a uh, movie showing at the Apollo Theater on June 13th. You can find tickets at the Movie Show Theater Facebook page. But anyway, more on the topic. Anyway, uh, buddy films, like I, I think that Paul Newman and Robert Redford kind of started or started the adventure-type buddy film thing. Aside from, okay, you could argue that Bob Hope and, and Bing Crosby did it, and all their quote-unquote road films, in the you know, but those weren't adventures so much as just excuses for the two of them to act silly and sing songs and have misadventures but yeah i think that uh i think that all the buddy films we see speaking of owen wilson earlier you know uh owen wilson and jackie chan jackie chan and chris tucker uh uh will smith and what's a little guy's name I don't uh, know, matthew movie? lawrence no, Peter from the, the Bad Boys, Will Smith and Matthew. Oh, uh, Martin, Martin, Lawrence. Martin Lawrence. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Men, in <laughs> Men in Black. Men in Black. Men in Black kind of has that vibe. Men in Black has that vibe. Tommy Lee Jones. Or, I mean, how uh, about Matchstick Men or uh, any other? The Batman and Robin know, movie that we weapon, all want to forget. Or, lethal Weapon. Yeah. Oh, well, the Lethal Weapons are are a perfect example of this. I mean, but again, it's you got a guy who's a little bit older, a little bit crustier, and a young guy who's got something to learn and they end up learning from each other and these two set that mold I think for Hollywood during that era I mean not long after this uh, and I want to say it was very close after this didn't they do Butch Cassidy that was four years earlier it was four okay so this was there's you know again I mean they did a couple of others too. same director and it has that same kind of vibe and and I you know it I like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid just about as equally as I like this one, you know. Mm-hmm. But again, it I think that this type of film is so engaging, so fascinating for us because it is what male relationships are like in a lot of ways. Now, it's not fantastic. It's not, you know, we're not shooting people. We're not conning people or anything like this. But this is what guys want to be in their heads, I think. Yeah. I, I would love to be Paul Newman. No, my wife would love me to be Paul Newman. I would. We love would all to love you Paul to be Paul Newman. Newman. Uh, Paul Newman. Uh, he. Yeah. I, I, have you ever seen The Hustler? Yeah. Oh, have you, know you seen The Hustler? I haven't seen The Hustler. You oh, know what film I brilliant. don't really like Again. though is The mm. Color of Money. I'm not a big fan of that movie. Uh, you know what? That that's not a bad movie though. No, I'm not saying it does kind of continue that story. Of Fast Eddie, you know, and yeah. and so I mean, the, what I don't like about that movie is Tom Cruise, but that's a whole different show. Well, I just so. I I don't like that this mentor would teach his uh, Padawan uh, apprentice all of these tricks and teach him all of these ways to use these tricks on unsuspecting people, and then Tom Cruise uses these tricks on Paul Newman. And he gets mad, and then Paul Newman's like, "Hey, you weren't supposed to use these tricks on me." And well, then he has okay. like a little cry fit, and all of a sudden well, it's yes like you no. had twenty years of like alpha male machismo, yeah. and and you're kind of losing it. But anyway, well, we're not anyway, talking about the color of money. Yeah, no. We're talking about it's... Days of Thunder tonight. 
Tonight's movie is Days Dick of Trickle. Thunder with Dick Nicole Trickle Kidman special. and Tom Cruise. <laughs> was it MI2? I can't remember. Was it? Okay, no. It, it actually wasn't. It was The Sting. Yes. Um, the Sting. Yeah, so I, I didn't see the second one. It was different director, different writers, different actors playing it, different it people just, with irrelevant. the same names. The same, yeah. It was just horrible. Uh-uh. It, was just, it was just horrible. But we, just, uh, I mean, it's not. That's not a mistake that we've rectified in the last thirty years. No, no, they continue doing stuff like that. That is absolutely true. Well, that's but, that's mean, the thing too with remakes and reboots and sequels. If you go and just log on to Wikipedia and take a look at the list of remakes and sequels. It's been going on forever. People think it's something new in Hollywood. Well, Hollywood no, has, has already had yeah. terrible ideas and great ideas. Sometimes the terrible ideas outweigh the great ones. That's just the way it's Oh, no, happen, it's always. You know? Yeah, I mean, ever since they've been trying to make money off of movies. Yeah. I mean, shoot, it's not even that. I mean, it goes all the way back to, I mean, the beginning of, of theater itself. I mean... Romeo and Juliet wasn't original. That was Tristan and his old. And even that wasn't original. I'm sure there was an older story. It was like Bob and Ethel from Greece or, or you know, Mesopotamia or whatever. Mm-hmm. Again, those stories, these stories, what we're watching has been told and retold and retold. The difference is, is how it's retold. Now, obviously, this one was done in a way, this, this con film, if you will, was done in a way that everyone loved to the point where it even won an Oscar. It won the Best Picture Oscar, you know. And it won seven. I know, seven total, but the Best Picture Oscar mm-hmm. is the one I think, I mean, that is the truly the the one you could raise your hands about, you know. Now, if you're an individual actor and you've, you, you were able to win an Oscar for acting or, you know, whatever, then that's great too. But I think that if you're part of a larger, larger film, a larger group, that that has created something truly wonderful. That in and of itself, everybody wins. It's not yeah. just the director. It's not just you know everybody has a piece of that, and everybody can say, "Yeah, I was in this Oscar-winning film." And that would be phenomenal feeling. That would be an outstanding feeling. And what a better film! What a fun film! Can you imagine how much fun this film was to make? Now, this was before they started doing outtakes and, you know, cut scenes and stuff like that. But can you imagine behind the scenes? Of yeah, well, most, you knew of, they most were of the time. Drinking Gordon's gin and Schlitz beer. Most of the time, <laughs> when you look at old movies like this, the, the closest thing to outtakes will just be like set photos. Yeah. Really? And that's yeah. it, like making funny faces and yeah. I mean, things they, like they, that. I, I mean, they hadn't started. I mean, the blooper reel was non existent, at least for the public viewing. And for a film like this, with all of these huge personalities that are in it, I mean, some of the oh, – all right. The, the – I'm trying to think of the guy's name who played the the one of the bodyguards to Lonigan. He had that – that guy. guy. Yeah, that guy right there. He's been I mean, – he's a that guy. But he is a that guy. But I, his chin is so – Floyd, that was his name, Floyd in this movie – he had such a prominent chin in this. It's just hilarious. It's he was built to play a gangster. Mm-hmm. He was absolutely he's a stereotypical gangster. He looks like they've got he got plucked right out of a Dick Tracy comic book. Yeah, he really does. You know? And, and I th- I find that to be hysterical and and just fun and it looks because like there a was prosthetic. a little there was a little tongue in cheek I think when they played somebody like that. it was like a Edward G. Robinson sort of character that they threw in mm-hmm. yeah see yeah I'm the bad guy see so I don't know I, no I just, his was good yeah 
So he's like one to... step removed from being the thing from Fantastic Four. All he needs is the pretty much his whole body and face being made a of rock. Of pebbles. Yeah, yeah, he just needs some pebbles. So I was going to play a scene yeah, here right. if I can. I love the eye exaggeration. I know. I'll call. The moment that he realizes. I didn't know. The moment oh, he realizes that he, he got out cheated. Yeah. Four jacks. But his poker face is pretty good. Yeah. Robert Shaw's is. Oh, yeah. Definitely. You owe me 15 grand, pal. When you come to a game like this, you bring your wallet. Must have left my wallet in my room. Don't hand me into that crap. When you come to a game like this, you bring your money. How do I know you won't take a powder? No, 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 no. no All right, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll send a boy around to your room in five minutes. You better have the money or it's going to be all around Chicago that you're welched. You won't be able to get a game of jacks. Cash me in for the rest of these problems. That is some serious operating money that they got there. Yeah, that's pretty great. Yeah. Just a few buckaroos. That you welched. But I love the idea uh, how well thought out it was that, first of all, we've seen him kind of be a drunk for, I mean, not a huge portion of the movie, but... I mean, you get the idea. It's not, like, banged into your head. For most but... of the movie, he's relatively clean. It's just the opening scene where you meet Gondorf, and he's, you know, sitting in the bathtub, and well, the, the yeah. water's full blast. You get the sense that, you know, he's that kind and after, of... That and after when he he dunks his head into the ice the... chip-filled yeah. Uh, sink. Yeah, and he know. says that he, you know, tried to buy out a senator or whatever it right, was. Right, right. I think they're setting us up from the very beginning to make him seem unreliable. Yeah. And then when he continues to kind of, quote-unquote, be unreliable all throughout, we get the sense that, oh, this guy's a leaky leaky vessel. We can't trust him. And then they throw Hooker in, who's also an even worse leaky vessel— I mean, this guy's blatantly just, I mean... He has tons of people coming after him, literally trying to kill him. Literally trying to kill him. And still, I mean, he he just... They both end up being the most reliable, most trustworthy, or no, I wouldn't say trustworthy, but reliable of the group. But you don't believe it until the very end when they pulled off this great con. When when Lonigan finally realizes that he has got to get out of there... Or else the quote-unquote cops will arrive. And sure enough, the FBI is there, but... <laughs> they're not really the FBI. They're not really the FBI. And, yeah. So you know, I, I, I love the whole setup. I like that you're in on the uh, setup for so much of it. You assume that you're in on all of it, which what we talked about earlier, you're not. Um, but I really like the ominous gloved man Oh yeah, I thought that was great. I kind of oh, forgot. Yeah. I kind of forgot about that guy. Well, that was that was the assassin. Yeah, or, that was the guy. Was, that no, Henry, that was the guy that, that was, actually saved Hooker. Yeah, from yeah. assassination. Henry, from Henry the, sent from him Selena. to watch yeah. over him. Yeah. Really, the only part of the movie with very strong violence, which is these days something you probably won't find in very many crime films, because usually it's just like, well, how many bodies can we pile up? Mm-hmm. Which I found that actually refreshing because I can yeah. I can do violent crime films, but this one was more about the characters and moving the plot along oh, and all true. these intricacies. Yeah, this is a character Two dead piece. Bodies. I can do oh, yeah. that. No, this is truly a character driven piece. This is not an action movie. This is a this is a movie that if somebody went to to see stuff blow up and guns being shot and people flying out of windows, this is not the movie for you. If you want to see a well thought out, well written brilliantly dialogued movie, this is the one you want to watch. 
But I like how this movie is. It's uh, we've established it's not an action. It it's a um, it's fast paced, but it's not so fast paced that it loses you. And despite the fact that it's not an action movie, it's incredibly engaging and incredibly entertaining. But and that's it, the well. That's the dialogue. That's, right, right. That's, that's the, the dialogue, that's and the, that's and of course the chemistry how it's in the cinematography and how it's filmed. Because there's never a moment where you're looking at it and you're thinking to yourself, "This is not real." Mm-hmm. You really are drawn into this. You're drawn into the city. You're drawn into Chicago. If you're familiar with Chicago, it really had a very good Chicago old town sort of vibe to it. Despite the fact that it was all shot on a back lot. I know. Which is incredible. Which is incredible. Plus it clocks in at a little over two hours and nowhere during that running time was I saying, wow, Uh, this is is just dragging and dragging. Yeah, totally. Some movies like that, they get too much in love with themselves and they kind of you know, drag things out and, oh, why doesn't somebody just have a 15-minute monologue here? No, there's there's none of that in this film. They move things along, and they move things along in a matter that makes sense. And they also, you know, have these characters just sparking off of each other, which is the greatest part because all of them are uh, so distinct, you know, and each of them is meant to fill a role, and they all fill it to a T. It is yeah. truly it is truly that... that um that everybody has their own specialty and you have to have a guy who does this and you have to have a guy who does that and you have to have a guy who, you know, can can do, you know, if you needed a guy, safe cracker or whatever. But you've got to got to have all those guys. And I find it ironic that they just happen to have every single one of them. An Englishman. Oh, yes. I am, my specialty is an Englishman. Yeah. But and and you don't really need to know anything more about the character. I mean, they fit the bill, no. but that's that's all you really need They're to know. They're very shallow. I mean, Kid water Twist characters. was great. I love the scene where he was the uh, Western Union bookie. Oh, or yeah. not the well, bookie, no, he wasn't, but he actually he played the. Oh yeah, he played the. He was the painter the first. Teller, yeah, and, and then, then he took his suit off, his put, suit the off put the picture up. Put the picture it. Yeah, he wasn't a bookie. He was the Western Union. Um, well, what, what what would you call it? I mean, I don't know. I even know what Western was the Union teller, banker, a representative, transactions. You know. yeah, tra- I don't know. Yeah, some kind of transactionsman. Yeah, right. Transactionsman. Uh, we'll we'll stick with that one. I think you can't say that and not sound drunk. I'm a transactionman. Tiananmen. I'm a I'm a Tiananmen. Judicial system. You don't even know. I do the important things you don't know. You know my life. I'm a transactionman. You don't know me, man. <laughs> Okay, so anyway. <laughs> so, uh, Sting. The Sting, movie. Yeah. yeah, I liked it. I thought it was a documentary based on The Wrestler, and I was hugely disappointed because oh, I don't know how it. he gets that makeup on every time because it's on. He just. How does he do it? Do you he know just that? he so, just watches so, The Crow and then there you step go. two. He does. It's like, who's he, he picking says to the, the next movie? He says oh, to the makeup artist, do that. <laughs> who's picking the next movie? It's Jimmy. Give me the Johnny Hooker. I it's honestly, Jimmy. it's taken everything in me to not talk about Daredevil and Age of Ultron this whole episode. Yeah. I can't even. I, I don't even know. No, I, am, I, I haven't know. seen Age of Ultron yet. I'm gonna, what? I have. I'm going to see it this next weekend. I have. This next weekend is my birthday. Then, or maybe last weekend was my birthday. We'll talk in the parking lot, if you know what I mean. But I know all about it. I I know what the story is. I know what happens. I'm not going into it blindly. I like it's the not first a spoiler for me because I. A lot of people have said that. I still really liked it. I'm going to go see it again it. with Amy because she was in Minneapolis at a conference. So I will go back and see it again and still enjoy it. But I have, I still have my my main beefs that I've had with almost sure, yeah, every I Marvel have some problems. Of course, I got some problems. Okay, 
But, but anyway, not with, not with Daredevil by any means. Oh, not with still flawless. <laughs> the, uh, flawless. Are you talking about uh, the Ben victory. Affleck Daredevil or the new one on Netflix? Because, yeah. I'm talking about the Netflix. Okay. Yeah. Affleck Batman? Affleck Batman. Affleck. I'm Batman. I'm Affleck. Affleck Batman. It's just a duck dressed as Batman. I'm blind. I fight people. Jimmy. Uh, yes. Oh, the the real film. You're what not going to do Daredevil picking, the Jimmy? movie, are you? I am going to do... Actually, you know what? I'm going to do the original Marvel comic book film, Howard the Duck. Seriously? No. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess uh, I guess he's in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes, I he is. That. The yeah, he's end. in it's the post credit awesome. scene. Yeah, post-credit I am watching scene. that on uh, Saturday. Oh, yeah. It's, I know. That was it's actually painful. very good. I'm as ashamed that I haven't seen Guardians as you are that you haven't seen Age of Ultron. Uh, it's only been out for a very brief time. I'm not ashamed of that, whereas Guardians be has been out for a year or so. You should be more ashamed, Jimmy. Truly. No, you're more of a comic book fan than I am, man. Yeah. And I... And where were you? on a, where, where, where was you I on opening? Week? Let me think. Um, yeah. Anyway, Jimmy, we're going to do a movie. Oh, really? That... Is, are you sure it's a movie? No, actually, it's going to be a TV show. We're doing okay. the whole first season of uh, Mad Men. Okay. No. How, how many Let's episodes? How long? There's about five movies that I can think of that seem kind of uh, predictable and kind of um, kind of like a movie that I would describe as, well, it was a, only a matter of time before I did that movie. But we're going to have to do these movies. A couple of those are Tarantino movies. This one is going to be The Big Lebowski. Oh, okay. I would like to lighten things up. <laughs> I feel that. The sting wasn't a bad one. I mean, no, it wasn't heavy. Wasn't, it's the sting wasn't movie. dark. It's, yeah, it's the sting dark. wasn't dark. Well, we did a few movies in a row. It was, I mean, King's Baba Speech Duk. isn't light, but it's also very serious. So we went from yeah. King's Speech to American Beauty to the Duck. So it was just like getting progressively darker. And I'm not going to do a dark movie next time either. Yeah. I'm thinking more like old school sci-fi or something. I just wrestle. I have like 30 movies in a uh, I usually document. Have a sh- I usually I... just have a short list because if I think about it too much and plan too much, it's just like, well, is this movie that I'm thinking of that's number 25 on the list going to be a good change of pace from whatever what Jimmy yeah, picks? Well, is, and see, pick this is why, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening, we are taking requests. While we do love coming up with our own picks, we would like it even more to know what you, the listener, want to hear from us. This is true. So, visit our website. Jimmy, what is that? Movieshowtheater.com. Or our Facebook page at... Movieshowtheater. Or you can visit the Wazoo Facebook page and leave a message for us at... Uh, Wazoo 90.7. Although I believe they prefer uh, WAZU 90.7. But, you know what? I like Wazoo better because it reminds me of the 80s band Yazoo. Well, who had that song, uh, The Situation. Yeah. In my mind, that is the greatest song of the 80s. Which if one, you don't know Yazoo, The Situation. Like with most Marvel films, if not all the ones I've seen, I just don't like how they handled the villain, in this case yeah. Ultron. They never make the villain threatening enough. They never let the villain do enough damage for like... But, 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 I'll disagree with you on the on that with Loki. Loki's not meant to be overtly destructive. Meant well, that's he's just, like, he is Loki, meant to be like with Loki, Loki. It makes sense because he's you know deceiving and he's mischievous, but he still does damage. And it's like, well, right. how, can you trust him? Can you not? And I think if they had him, you know, 
you know, go and destroy half of the team, Just the Avengers team. Wait for Thanos. Apocalypse. True. Or Doctor Strange, the movie. I looked at the release schedule for the next it's seven years. Outrageous. For the next seven years of Marvel oh, um, The Ant Man. That was the. I I saw the the Ant Man trailer. Don't spoil the it for me. Four trailer, and mm-hmm. I, I'm just gonna say it. I. It looks like the direction they're going in with Ant Man is pretty solid because I'd heard a lot of bad things about the development. There was so many problems with the development of yeah. that film. I every other day on my favorite website, uh, you know. Uh, d- that I would go to for information, it would be like, Ant-Man loses its director. Ant-Man loses its head writer. Ant-Man's direction. It might be dead. You know, whatever. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's back on again. And, and well, it's, you know, good, apparently. But Well, Harrison Ford broke a bone every single day of the production of Star Wars. So that might be okay he anyway. He didn't break a bone every day. And he it looks broke one bone. It looks too like with... Something landed on him. I think he had three different injuries during the production. No. Just one bad one. Are we going to finish recording? Yeah, no. yeah. Let's let's we wrap probably, up here. Yeah, we should probably close. Nope. I'm going to stay here forever, ever. Ah, uh, forever, Biz, ever, forever, ever. Biz in the corner again. Oh, he's on the EDM show. He doesn't even listen to that music. All right. Well, until next Tuesday, I'm Jimmy Malone. I'm Stuart Randolph. I'm Vince Snowden. And this has been Movie Joe Vida. Situation